everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Search, Ponder, and Pray. I um, hope you're enjoying this uh, wonderful week, and I hope you're enjoying your day today. Um, and I hope whatever trials and struggles are coming your way, you are um, able to deal with as they come through. And if we don't deal, them as, deal with them as well as we'd like, I hope that you're able to quickly seek the Lord's help and forgiveness. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, Today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 22. We're going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. I know we didn't cover all of 21, but I think we've kind of got the most out of there. We could spend, we could honestly spend probably a good full, you know, several episodes on each of these chapters because there's enough there that I'm not pulling out just because I'm not seeing it and other scholars would see it. Uh, you might see it as you're, it's revealed to you. Um, so that, again, as always, be in the scriptures on your own time. Be in the scriptures. Be praying about them. Uh, make sure that you you have that there for you. But um, before we get to going too much further, let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so very grateful for this day. We are grateful for Thy. Son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that Thou and He have both made, that we might be able to return to live with Thee again, that we might be clean, cleansed of our sins. Father, please forgive us. Help us to strive more diligently to be like Thee, to be with Thee. Help us to be mindful of those around us who need, thy, who need our help, who need Thy help, and who Thou wouldst have us serve. Father, we pray for strength. We pray for thy spirit to guide us in these latter days. And we say these things ever so humbly in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, Matthew chapter 22. Uh, let's dive right in, because we've got a lot to cover, and you know how it goes. <laughs> All right. Chapter 22, verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Now, if you click on the footnote there, instead of saying they would not come, they said they did not want to come. So these people, it's not that they, they, they would not no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I just, I just, I just won't. Sorry. No, I, I don't want to come to this marriage. I don't care about the marriage. I don't, I don't care about what's going on. I don't want to be a part of it. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, "Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage." But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, one to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden are not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Alright. 
So he has these people that he's asking, come, come to the wedding feast. He's, these people that he's originally invited. And they said, well, I don't want to come. And he's like, no, guys, seriously, it's going to be an awesome, it's going to be a great time. Come to the wedding feast. I have <clears throat> I've spared no expense in this. I have, I've pulled out all the stops. I'm really trying to have a wonderful party for my son for this wedding feast. And the one said, well, no. I, and went, they went their ways, one to his farm. My farm's too, is more important than your, than your wedding feast. The other went back to his store, worried about his money. And the third one, he took the servants that were sent and killed them. So that was, you know, it, it, it got even to that point where the servants that were sent were being killed because they were out inviting people to a wedding feast, of all things. Come to a place, you're going to get fed, you're going to have all these wonderful things. You just have to come. You just have to show up. If you show up to the wedding party, you get all these wonderful things. Yeah, sure. Bring a wedding gift. Show that you love them. And, and then you get all these wonderful things. But no, they didn't want to. And they ended up causing all these troubles. So if we jump over to the New Testament, New Testament student manual, um, <clears throat> we'll read the section, the parable of the marriage of the king's son. An invitation from a king was tantamount to a command. To refuse his invitation was to reject the king and his authority. Through, his, through this parable, the Savior taught that as invited guests, the Jewish leaders were refusing to partake of the feast offered them by God. Several attitudes indicated that the guests were rejecting the king, refusing outright to come, feeling that they wanted to do was feeling that what they wanted to do was more important than responding to the king's invitation and rejecting the king's servants. Each of these attitudes, evidently also in today's world, indicates unworthiness to enter the king, in, into God's kingdom. All right, let's just, so these attitudes of placing different, uh, different things above um, the commands of God are sticking points that we got to watch out for. So last time we talked about hypocrisy. This time we're going to talk about, um, I guess, idolatry in, in its most base form. Anything that you place in front of God is considered idolatry. So one to his farm, worldly um, assurance, being sure that you are, um, that all is well in your own homestead. Even that Self-preservation is still something, if you are placing your own life above God, that's worshiping self, and you're now committing idolatry still. It's one of the ones that often will be um, tested by the Lord as we draw closer and closer to Him. Are we willing to give up our own lives? And maybe not so much our own lives, in our current day and age, that might come later on as we get closer to the final days. But what more like more than off, more than likely will be the case will be another to his merchandise. Are you willing to give up your livelihood for the Lord, or are you so infatuated and loving so much your own wealth and your own position in the world and your social standing? that that has taken precedence over God doing what he has asked us to do. 
it's a sticking point for many of us. I know that oftentimes I'll get caught up with, I get so in my head about, oh, you know, I, if I can, if I can get this money and do this here, then if I can do this, and, and I get so busy doing things that I lose sight of, I, 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 like a good example is is this podcast, very much this podcast. I I will I will tell you honestly and openly that I felt that. Uh, something it is something that God has asked me to do. I feel that as I discuss these things with you, and as I try and um, study the scriptures with you here for these short times that we usually do, um, that draws me closer to God. In the past while, I have been um, inconsistent with that because I've had other things that well, if I can, I need to go take care of this project, and well, if I spend my lunch hour doing this, then I can do that, and uh, you know, I end up using my time for other things, which then I'm then placing those things in front of the command of God or the Word of God or God Himself, right? So. And this, all each of these things, hopefully we're not killing God's servants. That, you know, maybe what we should alter it is speaking ill of his servants. Now, we should be very careful about this. We should, this is one, so with all of these things, with all of these things, we'll just, we'll just jump here. With all of these things, there is, there are, there are degrees, obviously. There, there are the people who are just straight out worshiping idols. That is, you know, that's obviously open rebellion against God. You, there's, you go, you're on the scale from open rebellion down to, to the, to the small, small, minute details of sin where, you really are using the the spirit of the Lord to kind of weed things out, and that's where you start to get into Abrahamic tests and things, where the Lord's going to really push you. I I'm hoping that none of us, well, <laughs> I'm hoping that none of us are on the extreme end towards open rebellion to God. I don't imagine so. If you're listening to this podcast, I don't imagine that you're out openly rebelling against God. Probably not. If you are, I invite you to repent, and I offer you, the, and I, I promise you that God is good, and that he, he does love and care for you, and that if you will give him a chance, he will give you as many chances as you need to see his goodness, to see his glory, and that your life will be so much better because you have chosen him. But, so, um, to jump back to it, as we kind of weedle our way down and start to weed things out, we're all going to be at different points. And as we continue to look, we'll see that there's still uh, these, these idols that, oh, there's that one that's kind of pushing and leaning in a little too much. It needs to be put back into the right spot organizationally. And so as we do these things, we will be um, led to a greater understanding and we will reach that point where we are openly and freely coming to the wedding feast there's nothing that that not only are we there physically but now we're there mentally now we're there spiritually have you ever been somewhere and you think oh i'm here and maybe maybe it's even church maybe you're at a work meeting or maybe you're at a party you're at a party somewhere and you're just thinking 
need to get back. I need to get this taken care of. I need to get this and I need to do that. And, and you're not even enjoying yourself at the party because you're not there mentally. Once we can wholeheartedly get there to the party, that's when the real blessings start to come in. So this is going to kind of jump into that a little bit. So let's jump um, to verse 11 and kind of read on. And when the king came to, to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Um, sorry, if you click on the footnote, it, it jumps over into the to Revelation, which we can get into later, or I, I, I encourage you to read on your own time. Um, verse 12, And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. All right, New Testament student manual. In ancient times, it was sometimes the custom of, for wealthy individuals, such as kings, to provide invited guests with proper clothing to wear to events such as weddings. Big point. Pay attention to that. They're provided with this. It's not just that, oh, well, why didn't you, did you not have the money? What was the issue? Why couldn't, you know, did, was the shop already closed by the time you got the invitation? Were they out of the material? No, the king had provided the wedding, the, the garment. So despite being invited to the wedding, this man chose to attend on his own terms rather than those of the king. He was not permitted to remain. There are re requirements for entering the kingdom of God, even though everyone is invited. While the meaning of the required, required garment is not specified, elsewhere in the scriptures, garments and robes often symbolize righteousness and purity, qualities required to enter into the Lord's presence. Today, the clothing worn in the temple symbolizes clothing, symbolizes clothing ourselves in covenants, righteousness and purity in preparation for entering into God's presence. We cannot participate in the great marriage supper of the Son of God unless we have accepted and put on the protective clothing of his atonement. So, being all in, being clothed with the covenant, being clothed with righteousness and with purity, being brought to full understanding, not just, well, I'm here, you know, I, I'm here, I'm, I'm going to do what I, whatever I want, because I still have agency, I still get to, to do what I want, I still get to do these things. And not just giving ourselves over wholeheartedly to God, that's where faith comes in, especially in the beginning stages of, our, of developing a relationship with God. We have to be willing to turn ourselves over completely to Him. If we can't do that, we're missing out on the greater blessings. And honestly, we, 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 we probably won't be able to do it in the beginning because of our natures. We have to slowly be brought to an understanding where, we are, where our will is brought into alignment with God's. If we can do that, if we can slowly bring our wills into alignment, suddenly, like the scripture says, for a man's eye, I can't remember exactly how it goes now. Basically, if a man's eye be full of light, then his whole body be full of light. If your eye is single to the glory of God, 
Your whole purpose is directed thereby and controlled by the will and the power of God. Then in the same essence, you join into that power. You become an extension of it. And as you grow and train and learn the will of God, you suddenly become more God-like yourself. God wants to grant us the, his, his power. He wants to grant us all the blessings that he has. But there are certain limitations that we must follow. We must show certain restraint. We're told in uh, the Book of Mormon that with the Yerman Thummim, the Yerman Thummim is, is an item of immense power, right? You can see anything that you desire with it. But we are told in the Book of Mormon that you must be called as a seer. If you are called as a seer, God has trusted you to look into a Yerman Thummim, to use it, because you have the power to look and see things that you're not supposed to see. Now, when I, when I read that, it made me think of our current phones, our current computers, those types of things. Our phones and computers give us the ability to see and do just about anything. <clears throat> you, can, you can look up just about anything and, and find it. And see it, and see it in, excuse me, and see it in full color. Good things and wicked, perverse, evil things. If you're willing to put in the work, you can see just about anything on your phone, on your computer. Both to sanctification and to damnation, condemnation. So, Sometimes I, I, I remember as a, as, a, as a teenager, and even still sometimes I think, well, you know, I would love to have a Yerman Thummim. I could, I could see anything. I could learn anything. I could do all these different kinds of things. It's like you have something similar, a lesser form, sure. I, I will wholly admit to that. Our phones probably come nowhere near how amazing a Yerman Thummim is. But you have that ability. You have the ability to look and see and learn anything. And what are you doing with it? Oh, well, you know, I just uh, watching some cat videos because you know it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. I will fully admit I love watching stupid cat videos, you know, and whatever else. It's fun. It's nice to relax. But is that a proper use of the technology? Is that a holy use of a technology? I don't imagine that in heaven we won't have recreation. I don't imagine that at all. But wholesome recreation. Things that uplift and build us up. Not watching some dorky teenagers crash on the bikes or something like that. Building strong relationships. Once we start to look at these things and really pray to know by the power of the Spirit how we can apply these scriptures to our own lives, we begin to see just how applicable they are. They are in our own lives. This isn't just something that God is asking us to do simply because. 
or or just these these aren't just simple stories that are just told to us because well you know Jesus said this story and so we feel like we should probably tell you it too. No. These stories are immensely applicable to our own lives. And if we will pray and ask God to open our eyes through the Spirit to see how we can apply them to ourselves, trust me, He will allow us to see where our weaknesses lie and what we need to do. And most probably, there's a good chance we already know where those weaknesses are. We already know we're just afraid to start. God will provide. God will provide. He tells us. He said, again he sent forth servants. Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. I have prepared all things for you. I have prepared everything. Just come to the marriage dinner. Put on the wedding garment. I have provided it for you. It's there. I've provided the way. God has provided a way, the way for us to return to Him. It's there. We just have to take it upon ourselves and realize that the world isn't what it looks like. If you want to get a good perspective on the world, I suggest you read read Ecclesiastes. <laughs> I think it's a hilarious scripture, book of scripture. Vanity. Vanity of vanity. All is vanity. I used to think it was just such a ridiculous such a ridiculous book of scripture because he's just complaining about, oh, everything is terrible. Everything is terrible. I'm, I'm the king and I've had more things than anyone else could possibly have. And let me tell you, it's, it's all for nothing. But right there is the key. Remember who's writing the book of Ecclesiastes. It's believed that it's Solomon. And I wholeheartedly agree. It's believed that it's Solomon. You read Proverbs, and he's joyous, and he talks about wisdom and how great wisdom is, and trust in the Lord, and get wisdom, and seek after the Lord, all these things. And then he falls and turns away from the Lord, and suddenly every blessing that he has, all his worldly possessions, are vanity. His happiness is gone. There's no more joy in the world for him. Because the only true, eternal thing is God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And the relationships we build with Him and the relationships we build by His power. If you don't believe me, keep gathering up as much as you possibly can. You keep going from one thing to the next. Oh, I just need this and I'll be happy. I'll just need this and I'll be happy. And watch. Watch when you reach that next milestone that you're so eagerly looking at. Diligently. Striving for. 
spending all of your waking hours thinking and dreaming about it. You'll get there. Sure, maybe you'll be happy for a day, maybe a week. And it's just not exactly what you thought it was going to be. And there's, there's that, that it's just, I can just get one, just, just one extra little thing here. If I can get that, if I can get that, then, then I, you know, that'll, that'll put it all together. That'll really put it all together. I don't know how often maybe you have done the same thing that I have, where you look at how much money you're making on a yearly basis. And you see someone complaining who's making double or triple what you may, may be making and think, how can you be complaining? If I had that much money, I don't know what I'd do with it. But you would. Because there's someone else who's thinking the same thing about you. Because it's not about worldly possessions. It's about God. Come to the wedding feast. Come to the marriage. That's all that matters. Come and see. Come and experience Christ in his fullness. Not just on Sunday. Not just when we go to the temple. Not just in these little times when we read the scriptures. But make him a part of your life. Let him open your eyes. And yes, you will have to give up things. But I promise the things you will get in return will be tenfold greater because they come from the Lord. I testify this is true. I pray to give you strength. I pray to give us all strength that we might live more diligently, more directly, more joyously as disciples, as dedicated disciples of the Lord. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.